Really, it's like it's just basically like a conversation where we're we're getting to know some strangers, and it's all you know recorded. So that's what happens on our podcast. Cool. So does that sound fun? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, here for it. Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, Heathens. Hi, Heathens. It is another episode. Welcome back. Uh, We're still kind of doing the quarantine thing and churning out episodes as we can. Um, we like to do a lot of conversations live and in person, but that has been really hard to it's do. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. No. Uh, because we, fortunately, you know, we're housemates, Karen, you and I are housemates, so yes. we are quarantined together. So that has afforded us an opportunity to learn new technologies and <laughs> figure out how to do these long distance conversations. So that is another, we've got another one of those happening today. So we'd like to introduce you to members of the many. Hooray! Welcome. Hello. Hey, hey. Hi. Hello. Did you hear that? There's three voices, Heathen oh, listeners. Yeah. Did you, we have, <laughs> this is the most people we've ever had on one episode of Heathen. So we've got three members of, of the group, uh, the band, The Many. Um, and as per usual, we're going to do self-introductions mm-hmm. and um, just take a minute to get to know who's in the, quote unquote, in the room yeah. <laughs> with us. In the room where it happens, so, right? um, in the room where it happens. Oh man, don't start me on Hamilton. I just <laughs> watched it for the first time. A couple That's nights like, ago, like one of my favorite me. songs. So we'll just do Hamilton. That's actually yeah. what we're doing today. We were right. going to have a conversation, but now we're just doing I Hamilton. Don't think exactly we can the rights. So yeah. oh, that's a really good point. <laughs> no more than fifteen seconds of any Hamilton yeah, song. Thanks, everyone. And we're done. Uh, should we start with Darren? Yeah. Darren, do you want to start? <laughs> sure. Hi, everybody. Pressure. <laughs> Yeah, the, fortunately, I'm I'm the uh, I'm the the extroverted ambivert, so this kind of is what I normally do. Uh, once yeah, again, yeah. hi, uh, my name is Darren Calhoun. My pronouns are he him. Um, I am greeting you from Chicago, and uh, are we going to do like the full or just the names first? You you, the, I'd say go for it. Yeah, yeah go for it. Okay, I will go yeah. for it, and then let everybody go else in. think about who they are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're giving a gift to the rest of us. It really is. True. Hey, vulnerability is a gift that helps us all, or something. Brene Brown said. Right. Anyway, um, yeah, I grew up here in Chicago on the South Side uh, originally, and now I live on the West Side. Um, I've been involved in all kinds of things, but for me, church started off um, in the Catholic church. Um, I was a super active kid with the youth group and did that all the way through high school into college. Um, In college, I got involved with a Pentecostal or charismatic non-denominational church. And uh, over the the eight years I was there, found that to be a toxic space where... um, We'll, we'll get into more of the details of it later, but um, it was a place where very harsh kinds of theology was being taught and demanded of me. Um, and when I moved away from that space, I went to a very large non-denominational evangelical church where um, I just spent a lot of time healing and deconstructing and figuring out what I believe versus what everyone has to tell me about what they believe. 
Um, and then now I lead worship at a church called Urban Village. Um, it's a United Methodist Church here in Chicago that is founded as an anti-racist church and an LGBTQ mm. inclusive church. And so with okay. all the news that is going on with the United Methodist Church and and votes and decisions that are happening, um, I am happily in a church that is like, yeah, no, we're still going to be who we are and we'll figure out the rest. Um, and mm. so, yeah, I uh, the other good thing about that um, time I spent in the large non-denominational evangelical church is that's where the voice I have for being an advocate and an activist really blossomed. Um, I had to speak up for myself as both a black man and a gay man and uh, have been doing so in the church uh, for a little over almost 20 years now. Yeah. That is some work, 20 years of that. <laughs> you know, just wow. a little bit of time. Just, just, <laughs> just a little. Yeah. Just Tiny. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you very much, Darren. So glad you're here. Really appreciate you kicking it off and sharing your story with us. Glad to be here. You get more points for sharing your story first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the prize is, we but don't know you're what ahead of everyone do, else. But yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it involves cookies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. oh, that's fair. That seems yeah. like something actually attainable at this Notes moment in taken. history. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Who's who's the lucky volunteer for next? Uh, I'm going to throw it to, let's say, Leslie. Okay. Hello, everyone. So, hello. Uh, my, hello. Uh, my name is uh, Leslie Michelle, and I am uh, in Chicago. And uh, I'll start with my uh, church history. I was... Uh, born into a well-known influential Pentecostal movement. Mm. And uh, my dad is currently a pastor uh, and he's been in ministry all of my life. And Mm. um, my uh, grandfather was deacon of the church. My uncle was pastor of the church that I grew up in. And all Mm. so much of my family was uh, surrounding me when I was a child. And, um, not until after my uh, grandmother transitioned uh, off the planet did I really realize uh, the influential role that she had um, as a woman in this movement, uh, which is a whole nother story, uh, making strides in that regard. Um, So yeah, I come from um, people who really have been striving to um, live a life that pleases God in the best way they know how. And that's what was instilled in me. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have to say, I, I've journeyed into many spaces uh, actually around the world. And my, in my own right, as I've been ascertaining what I believe and what I want out of life and my connection to God, I've been, um, as best I can, curating sacred and safe spaces uh, within uh, different church communities. So, yeah, I am a worship leader currently here in Chicago, and uh, I am a vocalist, you know, in this band, and uh, I'm a part of a another performance group, a theater group. And I also am uh, a music director of a original piece uh, called 1619, The Journey mm-hmm. of the People. Uh, 
that mm. uh, talks about and uh, the history. It explores the history of enslaved Africans and their descendants in the United States. And it's mm. interesting. Um, it really is a, a wonderful piece that we put together before um, really things started erupting the way that they are now. Sure. And so it's been a, a really um, powerful time for the cast because so much of what's been coming out in a more public way, because clearly we know that these, this information has been there. Hello. Mm. <laughs> but um, a lot of the historical facts and the stories that are in the show are now at the forefront um, and more people are having access to it. So it's been a real pleasure uh, wow. to see that unfold and uh, being with the band, the many um, we're at the table on a consistent basis talking about these things and mm -hmm. how do we um, move into these spaces through song, through poetry, through the collective ways that we come together with our artistic talents. And so that's me. Um, I'm sure that as we go along, more pieces of me will become available to you. They're allowed. Yeah, we like yeah, that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Leslie. All right. Lenora, Lenora I, I'm up. On. Yeah, I'm you're up. up. <laughs> yay, yay. <laughs> so um, I'm actually a, a writer, the main uh, lyricist for the band. I'm not, for the many, I'm not really a singing member of the band. Um, but uh, I like to say that I'm, I've kind of always been a writer. I sort of identify as a writer, but, you know, probably a writer who's been terrified of writing and having a voice most of my mm -hmm. life. And a lot of that probably has to do with how I grew up and where I grew up and who I grew up with. Um, I was, uh, born in southeastern Missouri, which is the South. And um, mm -hmm. I was, you know, the youngest child of a Southern Baptist preacher. And um, so, and I'm kind of old. I'm older than all of you. And uh, <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, so this was really a lot of years ago. Uh, so, uh, but it was, you know, I mean, I grew up in this kind of Christianity, which was, very nice and smiling on the face of it. You know, it was really sweet. And we, I was taught to be a sweet girl. Um, but if you pulled it back a layer, what it was, it was very, it was basically anti-black, anti-gay, anti-female, anti-body. Um, you know, I had that whole no dancing, drinking, smoking, going out with right. boys who do kind of deal, you know, drilled mm -hmm. into me. Um, and of course, uh, we all know that joke about, uh, well, maybe you don't, I don't know. But as a Baptist girl, I always knew the joke about, you know, why are Baptists against sex standing up? Because it might lead to dancing. I've never heard that one before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I yeah. had to think on that. <laughs> the danger. It is real. So, <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of, I grew up that way and, but I also, all this was, I was kind of, I started going to junior high school and it was like the late 60s and it was Martin Luther King and I was in a, uh, we had moved to Michigan by that point and the school I was in was 
50-50, black and white, and mm. a lot of stuff was going on. And I came of age in that moment where I started questioning everything and um, started questioning my parents and my church. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that everything kind of started, like the deconstruction probably started when I was 12 and uh, like I just didn't buy a lot of what I was being told and I didn't like the kind of Christianity that I was being fed and um, started, I was, you know, kind of a precocious kid, I guess, and um, sort of started pushing against that and trying to, I started writing songs with some, my little girl band I was in at that point and Hmm. (laughs) all that kind of good stuff. And so that was kind of, starting to happen very early. And then, you know, by the time I left home pretty early too, like um, 17 and actually got married when I was 20. And that whole time has really been about like recovering from my Southern Baptist upbringing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel like I've kind of been in recovery from that ever since. And definitely finding my way through to um, both needing a lot of healing and also finding my way to a lot of healing, tons of therapy. And um, also, you know, my that sort of social justice part of myself that really became awakened in junior high school has really kind of continued throughout um, my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm a person who hasn't fully ever left the church. I've had a lot of very strong arguments with the church all along the way and a lot of questions and a lot of um, problems and have left the church for periods of time and been able Mm. to sort of find ways back in that felt okay for me. And um, so anyway, that's kind of a little bit of the journey. I think one of the things that um, has been as a writer, I think one of the things that I started doing not that long ago, actually, probably 10, 15 years ago, I started writing a lot more about from my own about my own stuff and who I really was. I'd worked in advertising and have worked in advertising all my life as a writer, but I wasn't really completely putting myself out there. And I started doing that a lot more uh, through songwriting and also I blogged for a while, um, and I, my blog was called Spiritual Suckitude, <laughs> basically about, you know, I kind of want to be a spiritual person, but I really suck at it, and so it was just, it was kind of fun to write, because it was like I wasn't writing it for, I was writing it for myself and for right. everybody else I knew who was like, oh man, this all pretty much sucks being, <laughs> trying to be a spiritual person, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so we were in the mini and I started writing songs <laughs> for them. And uh, that has been an amazing experience. So I love it. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you, Lenora. Are we doing this too? I think so. Let's do it. Let's just, yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of context, right? Yeah. Context do you want, is do you nice. want to go first? Sure. Yay. Yeah. Because vulnerability <laughs> helps everyone or something. I yes, learned that today from Brene Brown once removed. Um, <laughs> I'm Karen. I uh, also primarily, when people ask me who I am, writer is how I answer. Um, 
And I think, Lenora, you and I have a, a pretty similar trajectory, it sounds like, on that and path where, like, writing is something I've always done. It's always been the thing that I do. And how that has manifested in my life has been very different at different periods and for different purposes at different times. Today, I'm most comfortable calling myself a poet and a lyricist, uh, but copywriting is how I make my living. So here we are. Mm-hmm. And... and um, I grew up in a sort of big box, I call it a California big box, non-denominational evangelical church. I feel like that kind of paints a picture that most people... The best buys of... <laughs> the best buy in the Costco of Christianity mm, is, is where I grew up. Um, and uh, absolutely, I mean, I grew up cis, straight, white, female in that environment, so it, it suited me. It, it was an environment that was very comfortable, comfortable for me, and I definitely grew up... Uh, in that sort of well-intended spiritual bypassing mentality. If, you know, we don't thank God that the LGBTQIA issue is not mine and, mm-hmm. you know, that's between them and God, so I don't have to actually engage with that on a personal level. And I don't even see color. And all of those things were very much sort of the spiritual methodology of my upbringing. Um, and I fit, I fit very well in that story until I didn't uh, and then I was married and divorced twice by the time I was 35, which uh, made me come to some reckoning, reckonings on some of those things. And, um, you know, my deconstruction was rooted there and began there. Uh, and, yeah, I think like like most everyone that winds up in these conversations, my relationship with the church is complicated uh, coming from there. I, I I don't pull any punches anymore about the amount of harm that I think shame-based theology uh, creates and perpetuates in humans. Um, and uh, like many, I also have you know sworn off the church quite a few times only to return to it in some way, shape, or form. So uh, today we, we live in San Diego. Uh, ben is my partner, and he's wonderful, and he and I have gotten to wrestle with some of our deconstruction together. Um, I have a daughter who's seven. She's amazing. Her name is Fable because <laughs> writer. And uh, <laughs> and we, uh, you know, we, we have this heathen podcast, but we also lead worship every Sunday morning at our weird little unicorn church. So we are walking contradictions and we're happy about it. I like how it goes. Yeah, I think that's pretty much my story. Love it. Go for oh, it. Thank cool. you, Karen. Oh, you're welcome, Matthew. <laughs> Um, well, we're just uh, we're a room full of worship leaders in here today. Um, so, hi, yes, I'm I'm Matthew, and uh, let's see, I, I grew up in uh, North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, grew up in a spiritual tradition that is referred to by a lot of people as Plymouth Brethren. It's um, it's not the Brethren uh, Church; it's it's a different situation. It's it's very very. Um, it's 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 kind of like if you took Quakerism and then stuck it on like the most extreme fundamental end of the the spectrum, and uh, so I grew up in a place where my mom had to cover her hair, uh, was not permitted to speak during church services, uh, that kind of thing. There's no leadership, uh, no no um, uh, designated leadership in our. The, the tradition I grew up in other than just men. <laughs> like if, if you have a penis, congratulations, you're a leader. <laughs> you did it. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of this group run uh, uh, meeting and, and that's what they called it. Just the meeting um, at the chapel. Uh, they didn't really refer to themselves as Plymouth brethren at all. Just, just we're going to the chapel for the meeting. And um, so just hyper, hyper uh, fundamentalist, uh, 
belief system similar to, to everything uh, you've all shared so far. Um, I, like I said, I grew up in North Carolina, which is not at all um, a, a predominantly white state, but you wouldn't have known it in my world <laughs> growing up because that was, I, I, I had the, uh, I don't know if I should call it good fortune or not, but um, fortune to go to a private Christian school growing up because my mom taught there. We weren't, we weren't well off at all, but my mom was a teacher, so we got discounted tuition at this school. And um, I, I cannot recall any families of color at this school until I was in middle school, I think. We had uh, a black family that, that came to the school for the first time. And I think that was truly the first time I ever interacted with uh, someone of color. And so it's remarkable to me, looking back on my upbringing, that I grew up in North Carolina, which has all shades of folks and and we somehow managed to just cloister ourselves in the whitest of white little communities um so that was that, that took many years before i you know started to appreciate that there are experiences outside of what i grew up in um part of for me what took me what what, what gave me the kick in the pants to really start questioning um my faith and, and the, the way that our uh, religion worked in our community was that I'm gay as well. And uh, it took, I, I, I think, I, I, I look at my family and the, the, the folks, uh, particularly my, my grandpa and grandma, they're just like the pillars of the spiritual community I grew up in. And, and I look at them and I just, I can totally see that I would have become my grandfather in that world, um, just kind of really upholding the tradition and the um, just the, the 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 really strongly held beliefs um, uh, of literal bib- biblical interpretation and um, you know the the Bible being completely inerrant, completely inspired, completely infallible, those sorts of things. Uh, I just I would have very easily like fallen into the mold because I I, I I'm just I'm my personality is made for it. I'm, I'm an Enneagram eight. If we're familiar with Enneagram at all, I just, I could have very easily like stepped into that role that was predestined for me in that world to be like the male leader in this group, except for the fact that I had this internal conflict going on with my sexuality that took years and years and years to figure out. Um, and you know, now, now I I just, I, that's when I, when I thank God, I, th- I that's what I thank God for is that thank God I grew up gay because otherwise I think I would still be stuck in this um, system that is so harmful and so uh, just overwhelmingly oppressive. And um, it was it was just that little bit of me that gave me the the just that the nudge to to start to question, start to start to ask questions that I was never allowed to ask growing up, and you know took me on the journey to where I ended up starting a podcast called Heathen literally just because I wanted to have conversations with other folks who um, were on a journey away from what I called bad religion at, at the time we started the podcast and um, and on a, on a journey towards something that felt more whole.
Hi heathens, Matthew here, and I just wanted to take a super quick second to tell you about our heathen happy hours. Have you heard about them? If not, indulge me for a quick sec while I tell you what this amazing thing is. Every week since quarantine started mid-March when COVID knocked us all on our asses, um, me, Karen, and Ben Grace, who you might remember from this podcast, you know, the Aussie with uh, the incredible music, that's him. Uh, The three of us, we're we're all housemates, uh, and we have been putting on uh, Heathen Happy Hour Show. It's an online concert every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific on Facebook, and it's just a hell of a lot of fun. What we do is, uh, look, we're nerds, so we uh, theme each night around this alliterative uh, theme. So, for instance, Heaven, Hell, and Hangovers. Then we ask uh, everybody who's hanging out with us, you, for instance, to make song requests that are going to fit with that theme. So for Heaven, Hell, and Hangovers, you know, we played songs like Heaven is a Place on Earth or Lizzo's Good as Hell. Um, we, we dress up in costumes. I've been playing with drag since quarantine started, so I'm like, I do full-blown drag looks now every week. Uh, we make a specialty cocktail, and frankly, we're just doing our damnedest to entertain you and ourselves for, you know, an hour or two. That's what's happening Thursday nights on the Heathen Facebook page, 7 p.m. Pacific. If you haven't seen it or heard about it, it's a great time to get involved because frankly, we're getting really good at this shit and we're having a lot of fun. So I hope you'll come hang out with us on Thursday nights. It's just another extension of our mission here to feel less alone and more alive. And we'd love to see you there. I guess my first question for y'all is how did y'all all get to know each other and how did how did the many come together? Yeah. Whoever would like to take that. <laughs> right. Lenore, do you feel like this one or do you want me to start and Well, uh, I could I could start and you could you guys jump in. Uh, uh, the short part of it is that um like I said I was like I'm married to uh, a musician who is uh, in the uh, has been in church music and all this kind of stuff. And we've kind of been on this journey together. I've been, we've been married since I was 20 and we kind of did all our deconstruction together and which was kind of an amazing thing. Uh, we have lived so many different lives together, <laughs> but, uh, and been on such a wild ride together. But so he was, um, that's Gary. And he was, uh, at a church, uh, um, uh, progressive post-evangelical church leading worship and uh but still you know the big issue was we couldn't find songs that we really agreed with in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and or could sing with any feeling and uh you know that had theology that we liked and were also that we're not um like blind to what's going on in the world, you know, that had right. their eyes open to the stuff that's happening, you know? <laughs> and um, so we ri- started writing some songs together uh, quite a few years ago now that, you know, we were introducing in the church. And my daughter, one of my daughters uh, is a musician as well. And she started writing songs with us too. Um, and uh, so we kind of, developed this body of work and we were like well these songs might be interesting and helpful to other people too maybe we should get some people together to sing the songs record the songs and so sort of a 
we gathered some folks around that we knew and started working on that. And it was kind of like one of those things that can almost, you know, make you believe in God <laughs> because mm. Darren and Leslie came into our lives. You know, it was by wonderful kind of set of circumstances of introduction here and a, you know, conversation there. And, uh, you know, we kind of all met and it was like one of those things where um, these were the people these were our people and we became mm. their people. And uh, Darren, I'll steal one of Darren's lines of we, we do life together. And so the mm -hmm. songs became our songs. Like I, you know, I love the songs I was writing before, but I think the songs that we're writing as a group, um, I kind of see myself as a lot of the scribe of the group. Like we have conversations and we, talk about stuff and we share ideas and the songs kind of come out of that experience of us being together. So that's, that's a little bit about how the group, what would you say, Darren or Leslie? <laughs> I think you're spot on. <laughs> um, I can delve into the wonderful ways that uh, we met uh, telling my story. I mm -hmm. actually had a, um, what? So where I went to uh, Christian University here in Chicago, and I was uh, at the time very engaged with uh, university ministries, and uh, the global partnerships director, um, by her calling in life is connecting people. Like she, she can remember somebody she met five years ago who you know, catches lightning bugs and then she's talking to you and realizes that you are, uh, you sell lightning bugs. And she's like, Oh, mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> <laughs> one of those. Yeah. Those. One of those. She's brilliant. And so she had been telling me for months, there's this guy I really want you to meet. I'm like, oh, okay. And she mm -hmm. just walk up to me randomly. Yeah. There's this guy I want you to meet. <laughs> and I'd say, Okay. And she would constantly say it. And she um, has this wonderful, vibrant, um, you know, dance in the moment kind of personality. So mm -hmm. I'm walking down the quad one day and she says, hey, Leslie, so this guy I want you to meet, he's here. How about we go to lunch? And I'm like, what? <laughs> right now? Yeah, yeah. No pressure. It's yeah. fine. Now, here's what's so amazing about this story. How did she know where I was? Was she just going to find me? Like, what? <laughs> just walking around feeling yeah. for the vibe. Yeah, just literally. It was so, it was just total synchronicity. Huh. Um, and so, and that's how she lives her life, which is so inspiring. That's so anyway, beautiful. we uh, sit down for brunch and that's where I met Gary. And admittedly, Gary didn't seem very interested in me. <laughs> He's a little cute guy. You know, he doesn't want to give much away. <laughs> he kept asking about one of my friends who plays the piano really well. <laughs> uh, so you were off to an excellent start. <laughs> oh, boy. But in all, what was really beautiful was that Gary did connect with me about a year later and asked me uh, to uh, meet up with him. And I started singing where he was uh, still uh, the worship leader uh, director at the time. 
Uh, and that's how our relationship began. And in classic, wonderful Gary style, he said, yeah, so um, Benora and I, we have a couple songs that we really want to see how they sound. So we're going to just get together. Is that cool with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I get there and there's like 15 people. It was amazing. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's how that started on my end, how I came to be one of the many. Hmm. And I'm I'm taking it that there are indeed many more you, 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 that obviously couldn't come to the podcast recording today, right? Well, how, how many yeah, how many I folks mean, are in the group? Just um, depends on how you count. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Totally. You know, you you could be in the many if you wanted to be. <laughs> Congratulations! Oh, yes. Yes. yes, you're already in. We say that a lot. That's yeah. great. I think our name really speaks to our desire to embrace. And so um, in the beginning, we did have a few more singers. I'd say we're what we would call the, the ground crew. Sure. And um, with that, and including Hannah and Gary. But the songs that we're writing are for congregants to be able to sing and feel enveloped. They are a part of the many as they sing these songs at this mm. point around the world. And when we invite other musicians and vocalists and creatives into this space, they are in it with us. We're all together. We're a part of this wonderful collective. And so I think it's a beautiful, um, very um, God-inspired name that uh, Mm. Lenora and uh, Gary came up with because it really speaks to uh, one of the songs that we have that has really touched so many is all belong here. Um, mm-hmm. You are part of this collective when you're singing our songs and when you're in our space, we want people to know that. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. It gives me goosebumps. Yeah. It, it, I, I, it, it does feel like one of these, um, you know, Karen always refers to our spiritual community here as just the unicorn church. Um, we, I, I feel so lucky that we stumbled into the lives of the people that we have here in San Diego that, it, so- it sounds like very similar to what y'all are doing. Just just a space of belonging, a space of openness, and um, really encouraging the questions as opposed to, you know, so many of us grew up in traditions, I think, that really tried to uh, stifle uh, questioning yeah. and, um, and just go yeah. with the status quo kind of thing. So I-, I-, I love to hear that. That's really beautiful. Hmm. So, Darren, you want to tell your story? Sure. Um, so, I was standing in an ocean. And <laughs> like all good stories begin. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've only been to, I've been to the ocean. I'd never been in the ocean. Oh. Uh, yes, this is actually the start of a story. Um, I've been to the ocean. I'd never been in the ocean. And I was um, in in one of the Carolinas, I can't remember right now, Um, but I was there for a retreat and I was like, oh, this is my moment. I'm on the beach. I'm by myself. The waves are crashing. And um, I start singing uh, Oceans while I'm recording Mm -hmm. myself as a selfie video. (laughs) (laughs) And I have friends, uh, shout out to my friend Tandy, who absolutely does not like that song. Um, (laughs) Because there are many others who feel the same way. Sure, I sure, stand sure. with Tandy. Sure, sure. I stand with her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate the mood for your story. I'm not trying right. to distract from that. 
<laughs> but I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm just, I'm, I'm just having a good time on a, it was, I was there for a retreat, um, having a good time. I record the, the song, put it up on my YouTube, think nothing more of it. Um, mm-hmm. And either later that summer or the next summer, I can't remember, um, I get a an introduction from my friend Kenji to Gary. And Gary and Kenji had been working together at the seminary where Gary was. And, and uh, all of us were going to be at, um, at the uh, Wild Goose Festival in uh, Hot Springs, North Carolina. And so Gary was looking for another vocalist uh, to help out with, with what the mini was doing there. I was going to be there doing a, um, a, a racial justice uh, kind of one-day workshop. And I was like, oh, sure, because all I have is the one-day workshop. So I'll just be walking around the, the woods of uh, North Carolina. Why not sing while I'm there? Mm. And so apparently um, Gary and Kenji had already been talking about me before this introduction. And uh, the way Gary puts it is that he looked me up on YouTube, saw saw this random video of me singing in oceans, standing in the ocean. And it was like, mm-hmm. that's who we want. <laughs> There he is. He's in the ocean. Right, right. Um, and the reason I bring up the, the ocean part of it was, um, in many ways, that moment and that time, and even the theme of the song represents uh, where I was in life, where I mm. just recently decided I was going to make some very bold moves into being more public in my advocacy. I was going to be more open and not worry so much about protecting people's feelings. And mm. um, not that feelings don't matter, but I'd been living my life at this point, muting important parts of myself, muting my blackness, muting my my um, sexual orientation, muting my story as somebody who had survived church abuse, because churches typically want people not to bring up those uncomfortable topics Mm -hmm. because then they have to explain why they aren't responsible or why, or they'll have to explain theology that they never talk about. Um, And it would just be better if for my sake that we didn't talk about those things. (laughs) And it was, so it was kind of wild to me that this song that talks about call, you know, walking out to unknown territory was also the thing that led me into this, into to what I thought was singing under a tent in the middle of the woods, which was also unknown territory. Because I am not team camp. I am not team bugs. And I'm <laughs> definitely not team mud. mud. <laughs> and but, and uh, North Carolina, let's just talk about that. It's, it's right. all of those things. It's North Carolina right. in the summer is not yeah. cute. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I barely survived Wild Goose last year. I just was a puddle. I was a puddle the entire time. Right. It's not made for it. It's yeah. Um, I mean, you know, had fun, but also, sure. <laughs> I'm a city boy right. through and through. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I I I was come to the point and would very soon after have this experience of, or you know, no, this was yeah, this was before, um, this was the year before because right around that time, um, I had I had my first round of being in the crosshairs of conservative Christian media. Um, mm. I went to speak at uh, the Reformation Project to share about racial justice, but the Reformation Project is an organization that advocates for the full 
inclusion and affirmation of LGBTQ people in Christian churches. And because I was there, but attending a church and leading in a church that was non-affirming, um, the headline was going to be openly gay worship leader at, at, you know, at this event. And they ran with it. But um, Tony Campolo came out as affirming that mm-hmm. same week and took my headline. So I was very mm, appreciative thank you for <laughs> of that. Um, but I still was, my photo was in the head, it was in the, in the, the story and, and it got uh, copied and pasted by blogs and kind of junk articles all over the place. And it was like, I had all this attention on me because I dared to show up and just say who I was. I didn't, I didn't teach any theology. I didn't okay. say anything that was contrary to, to anybody's beliefs because I didn't I don't talk about my beliefs in that way publicly ninety nine percent of the time. But yeah. they were so invested. They mm-hmm. wanted to know who I was and and did did my church abandon its theology and have we have we abandoned the Bible? And it was like if I died as a result of all the public scrutiny and pressure that you're putting on me, would you care? Yeah, and I didn't think they had a. I didn't think they could have could answer that in the affirmative. Not that they ever cared to talk to me, just about right. me. Right. And so it was one of those things where it's like you know, I could live the rest of my life trying to mute myself and minimize myself and make myself acceptable, or hopefully accepted by these people who have all these endless demands of me and my body, mm-hmm. or I could try something else. And the band and this community of people that are my people, that when we say we do life together, like I tell them about my good days and my bad days. I tell them about depression and I tell them about like uh, just being too busy on Facebook. You know, like we really share it all. We eat together. Um, I'm making sure that Leslie and, and Hannah can find the food that they eat because they have all kinds of um, dietary things that are even more mm-hmm. peculiar than mine. You know, like mm-hmm. we are actually taking care of each other mm-hmm. as opposed to just singing together and being being hyped up on a particular mission together. Because that's sometimes what churches do mm-hmm. where we're like, right. oh, we're want, we want to end injustice. And the only time you're together is to end injustice and have a Bible right. study or a book study about it. But not to actually like live a life that you're so close that if we're going to go on a road trip, that you have to spend the time to make sure that your black friends are going to be safe as you drive through Mm -hmm. the cornfields of America. And if the police stop, that everyone's going to be impacted and accomplices rather than just hyped up about justice, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Well, just to be people together, too, I think. So often churches and, and missional anythings get so so wrapped up in the the cause that we forget to be people with each other and to be in relationship and that the foundations of yeah. solutions come from relationships between people. And that's, I think, been the experience of burnout across the board in the church is so often rooted in that loss of that humanity and relationship and how real you know, if there's, if I have a definition of kingdom, what that looks like, it it is that relationship between and the way that that sort of bleeds out into everything else and the way that that preaches more or less without preaching out into everything else. I think that's such a beautiful thing. Mm. 
You said something earlier that I was going to respond to, and I have now flitted away from it. <laughs> what was it? It was something. Anyway, um, Matthew will well, save me. He I was going to say while you're while you recover the mm-hmm. thought, because um, one of my next questions was going to actually be around the idea of how does a how does a band how as a band do you do anti-racist, queer, inclusive work. And and Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm already getting, like you're already touching on the answer to that because it's much more than a band, uh, it sounds like. And and, and the life, the lives that you live together, like it has has to start there, it feels like. Um, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth or speak for you, but I I am interested in hearing maybe more about the work of the band uh, um, externally out. Like, I just, I, I guess I'm, one of the things I'm wondering about is, uh, you talked about the like the conservative uh, Christian kind of media taking your story and, and you know misrepresenting and running with it. Do you feel like <laughs> there's um, by by being in the many like is there do, are you able to like take back some of that control over the story and the narrative that you want to be telling and and the work that you want to be doing is is it giving you an opportunity to do more of that? And and that's for all you know, any and all of you to answer, not necessarily just just Aaron, but um, yeah, yeah. Just to to answer that part about myself, I definitely think that uh, that in many ways um, I've been empowered by the relationships we have in this band to reclaim things, to reclaim what happens in service, to reclaim my voice as a leader in the church to, um, to be affirmed in the parts of my story that I usually, evangelicalism taught me to end everything on an up note and with the glory of God. <laughs> and in the band, I practice telling stories that don't end with nice, happy resolves where everything's nice and tidy and where everyone feels better after hearing my trauma. Um, it just it creates this space to be more real and authentic and raw even. Um, and I think that's part of what draws people to our music. Uh, it doesn't answer all the questions. It's not certain about all the things. Um, and, you know, we go into spaces where it's kind of a priority that people be wrestling with this stuff. If you, mm-hmm. if you just want to feel good about having some black faces on your stage for once because we showed up, then it's probably not the best fit. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to, you're going to get a surprise (laughs) if if that's all you're looking for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we, I think honesty is a really key piece of what we have with each other in relationship with each other. We're trying to be honest about who we are with each other and in our lives and our questions and, you know, our frustrations and our feelings. Feelings are good. We've decided. And, uh, (laughs) and feelings are good. And we're, and we are trying to be that in our presence in churches and in our presence in our music. And um, I think that that's been key like I th- I think the thing that what I hated so much when I was growing up one of the things I hated was that it just seemed like like it was just so much lying going on you know like there mm-hmm. was um people were in denial of so much and or you know it was kind of like those 
I always felt like, you know, you got, you became a, a Christian, you know, you accepted Jesus as your personal savior and then everything was just supposed to be beautiful afterwards and no questions and no problems. And if right, you had a problem, it was Jesus. solved. Yeah. Right. And it was kind of like the before and after pictures in those, you know, all those thin, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. thin, you know, I once was lost, but now I'm found and everything's fine, you know, and I never felt like that. Even as a right. kid, I always like felt like, oh shit, I'm like, I'm, I'm supposed to be a after, but I still feel like a before I have so many questions and I don't like stuff and I feel bad about stuff and I don't understand you know, how we can all just, you know, do this. And so I feel like one of the things that I feel it's very harmful and it was harmful to me as a person and it's been harmful in my life to sort of, I think, silence myself in a lot of ways. And I, mean, I think that's probably one of the things that a lot of us might have in common as well is like being told we just need to shut up, you know, and Mm. not say that out loud and not be who we are. And uh, so I think that that's been kind of crucial for us as a band. Like, I think that's one of the things we don't want to compromise on. And I think that's kind of how we show up in spaces that we go to. And a lot of people actually, I think, find it kind of refreshing and mm-hmm. um, surprising, but refreshing, you know? Right. Yep. That's how I feel about Enneagram 8s in general. <laughs> Just surprising, but refreshing. <laughs> like, a, like a sprite or something. <laughs> what, what was that, Darren? I was, I was saying shout out to Enneagram 8. I am, a, I am an Enneagram 2, wing 3, uh-huh. and 8s are some of my favorite people. Yeah. Here's the thing. Okay. So we're going to tangent for just a second because okay. I have a theory about Changes this. I'm a, I, well, I kind of, I tell my, I identify as the entire image triad, but I'm a three with a pretty mighty wing either direction, depending on how you'd like to spin nice. it today. Um, but I think that there is something in uh, image projectors once you have started to do your work and started to build a foundation and a floor of identity that isn't just dependent on external influences. Eights go from being the scariest humans in your life to the most reassuring because for a long time I was terrified of the of eights because they could see through my image projection. And now I'm like, eights can see through my image projection. It's Yay. the greatest. <laughs> such a comforting feeling. Oh, my word. <laughs> I, just touching on um, the idea of just keeping, your, keeping a place in, in the world of whether it's Christianity or even progressive Christianity or whatever. I just, I mean, I, I, um, I very much wanted to, to, to borrow a line from Taylor Swift. I want to be excluded from the narrative of Christianity. Like that's where I, um, I, I can moving yourself from the narrative. Yeah. I just, I want to, I want to step out. It's, it's, it's another reason actually why I chose the word heathen for just these conversations is because I don't, I want people to know right from the get-go where we're, where we're at. And I don't want to have to answer questions from Christian people, conservative people, whoever, like, who are like, Oh, what are you doing? This is, this is against Scott, you know? And I'm like, yes, exactly. Like we're, (laughs) we are heathen podcast. Please don't bring those, bring me those questions. Um, I just wanted to, I I, I wanted to step out and, and just opt out really of, 
um, my place in the church, in Christianity, and, and, and I haven't called myself a Christian for years. And yet there, there is, as we've all kind of touched on, there's this like, you go in and out and you, you come back into these spaces where you have found the community that, that works for you. And, and I've certainly done that. And it was in our, um, our spiritual community here in San Diego that I was in a, a small group for, that was, that was specifically for queer, queer folks. And um, that night we were talking about, um, gosh, what was the question? Um, how did you, how did, how did you reconcile your faith and your sexuality? Oh, and, the um, question. Yeah. The, the question. That exactly. one. How do yeah. you justify being? <laughs> well, and as, as Enneagram eight in the room, I was the first one to just throw my hand up and I very loudly was just like, I don't need to, I'm not a Christian. I, you know, like it was just this very like, um, I'm opting out of that question. And then, you know, I said, I said my very loud, obnoxious piece and I, and I sat down and the rest of the room slowly like took their turns responding. And in each of these people, they, there was this um, heartbeat of, I, if, if I step away entirely, then I have left a vacuum that's going to mm-hmm. be filled by someone who's going to, give a message of exclusion or is going to, you know, make it harder for the next gay person to come into our church or is, you know, if, if I'm not here basically, then who is speaking on behalf yeah. of queer folks? Yeah. And I was so freaking <laughs> humbled and, uh, you know, just like taken to task during that, um, that one hour with those folks in that room. And I was like, Oh my gosh, these people are doing, work that no one uh, they shouldn't have to do and 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 they're doing it they're they're opting in they're doing the opposite of what i'm doing i'm 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 sitting here running away to where it's like safer and easier um and not even safer but just in my mind easier and 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 it just was a challenge to me that okay even if i don't necessarily um check all the boxes of, of, you know, tenets of belief that, you know, most people would consider it would be like the, the standard for, if you want to call yourself a Christian, like I'm, I'm in this space. I've been in it my whole life. I know it better than any other, you know, culture in the world. And, and perhaps there is uh, something that I can do with my eightness even uh, to make sure that, that um, I'm not leaving a vacuum that someone else is going to come in and, and, fuck things up for the next person. I, I can be yeah. uh, a voice for someone who maybe has a harder time speaking than I, than I do. I yeah. can like take up that space and then surrender it <laughs> to the voice that really needs to speak. So um, I don't know. It's uh, I mean, I, queer I folks. I'm oh, sorry. Go I ahead. was just going to jump in to say, I think, I mean, I, I get very, I, I'm, I, I just get very upset with people uh, thinking they have Christianity. Like, mm, yes, they get to define it. What yep. the hell? Why do you yep. get to define this? Because yeah. I read the Bible and right. I don't see the same God that you see. I see a God of mm-hmm. love and acceptance. I see a God who is for the marginalized. I see a God who loves me exactly as I am. And yeah. You know, all this kind of stuff. And so, like, so you own this 
idea of what Christianity is. Well, I don't mm. buy it. I think that's bullshit. And yeah. there's a there's a little bit of a Southern Baptist preacher girl fighter in me enough mm-hmm. that I'm just like, I go in and I'm like, you know, this is my understanding of Scripture and this is totally different than yours and yours is perhaps you're wrong, you know? And yeah. uh, so I, I feel like there's something... Like, I want to reclaim the Christianity. I want to claim a Christianity that I read about that is full of love and acceptance and, like, is not full of the rules and the shoulds and the exclusion that a lot of us grew up with. Because I just don't think it's, you know, the whole story by any means and not the story that I buy. Yeah. Well, even to jump on to that, even on in the days or the years where I'm not sure I want to reclaim the title, yeah. I definitely want to just get the truth that there are possible different interpretations and ownership and objectivity does not belong to one particular denomination. Yeah. It's interpretation of the Bible. Even if, even if I'm, because I go through whole periods where I'm kind of done with the label of Christianity, even in that, yeah. what you're there with, like, you don't own this, though. Mm. And it is completely, it is fallacy on all fronts to say that yours is the objective and clear and simple interpretation of this text. There's just no, there's no longer an excuse, honestly, for that argument. We know it's not simple. Yeah. And these are people's lives. We're talking about lives. These you know, are lives. it's interesting as we're talking, I'm thinking about um, the song that's coming to mind. Uh, it's actually one of the songs on our latest album, Love Versus Fear. And uh, the previous question about, uh, it's all kind of meshing in my mind with when Matthew asked, what can we take back? And Darren uh, responded, you know, that we are reclaiming. And I think one of the ways in which our offering, our music, is not just speaking to people, but it's helping people to engage in the nuances, Um mm-hmm the delicacy, the beauty and the, the treasure of nuance, uh, the variations of thought and uh, the sensitivity to all of our different ways of being aware. And so when I think about love versus fear, um, one of the, like, so for instance, the lyrics, when I can't seem to forget, when I can't see the morning light yet, I pray that you're there. I pray love is greater than fear when I can't find another way, when I don't have the words to say. So often um, we're not being in a, we're not allowing ourselves to get to a point where we're admitting that we really don't know because it's scary to say, I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's scary to say, I don't have words to speak on the existence of God and all creation. Because we're not taught that that's okay. I don't understand why you believe what you believe. So I'm afraid. And so um, it's so amazing, you know, even in the way in which I heard the question, Matthew, uh, take back. I immediately thought about Trump. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I said to myself, my immediate thought was, 
how do we, um, and, and it speaks to what Lenora was saying, what are we taking back when really we're talking about the, the desire to be, the desire to be able to uh, be present in all that we are without the restrictions, without the, the walls, without the do's and don'ts. And so when I think about the work that we're doing and the conversation we're having, um, definitely reclamation plays a role. But um, for me, when I'm, I'm in a space where I'm learning that it's about first centering myself with all the things that are the, in, within the, the scope of mystery so mm. that I can be in a welcoming space um, in a place of, of being present because I don't want to be afraid of what someone's taking from me and I don't want the next person to be afraid of what I may be taking from them. Mm. And so it's a journey of being still and remembering and connecting so that there isn't this constant need to reclaim. Mm. Come on now. I so appreciate that reframing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, that yeah. is such a better way to talk about this. Mm. Gorgeous. When I can't find another way, when I don't have the words to say, I pray that you are there. I pray love is greater than constantly trying to to build a parenting philosophy around everything that you just captured in what I will call a beautiful sermon that just happened there <laughs> but but the, just just that of the the being able to have the unknown be known and familiar and just like the not knowing is a is it's a okay space where we are okay to move yeah. and we are okay to be and we're okay to land mm-hmm. On the parenting front, I'll just say this, Uh, Hannah, you know, (laughs) we were talking about doing this podcast and Hannah was like, mom, I think you need to do this podcast and not me because I I don't really, I didn't really have to deconstruct anything. Hmm. (laughs) It's like you did, you had to do a lot of that. But by the time you got to me, it was kind of like, I kind of just have been fine. You know? oh, I love that. Isn't that and, the hope? Yeah. And, it, and I got to tell you, that made me very, very happy. It's kind of like, I, you know, I hope so. I yeah. was just made proud. That's yeah. a hard one. That's a, a hard one quality. It's a hard one privilege to be able to hand to your child that you don't have to take apart these absolutes because yeah. you are. You are enough as you are with all of your questions. It's just, yeah. That's gorgeous. And my, I, I always remember when my kids were younger, like seven, eight years old or whatever. And uh, my dad uh, would uh, 
call and ask how we were doing and where we were going to church. And I would try to avoid those questions as much as possible. But, hmm. <laughs> but uh, you know, I said, well, what about the girls? If they accepted Christ as their Savior? And well, I was like, well, I'm not really sure what you're asking when you ask that question. <laughs> what do these words mean? <laughs> what does that mean to you? Because I can tell you what it means to me to have a relationship with God and, you know, but I don't really know what it means to you. Let's talk about that a little bit. I love and, it. And so I kind of put him on the, you know, you got to figure this out. And then I would say, because if you're asking, like, are my kids awake and aware and are they mm -hmm. thinking about their lives in a spiritual way? Are they thinking about God? Are they going carefully into love and loving places in their lives? You know, I said, yeah, right. they are. So I'm, I'm good. You're happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's all. That's all we were going for. Uh, right. Uh, my, my, my papa phrased it. Uh, are you washed in the blood? Oh, yeah. Washed, the yes. Washed, washed. Washed. So are you, are you washed in the blood? Oh, and yeah. the older I got, the more I thought about that, the more I was just like, this is a morbid ass religion. Like what is <laughs> this? And it's the the Walking Dead version, of right? Oh, I know. But we're so used to it, we don't even think about it, right? Oh God, I sang about blood my entire childhood as if it was just no thing, and then oh wait, oh, oh yeah, ew. I know. So we we try to work in uh, <laughs> some images around blood occasionally, but. Like not like we've ever not like you've ever had them before. Right. Sure. Not not so much as you have to bathe in it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, one of the lines from All Belong here is, uh, of course, you guys all have to help me remember this now. But um, there's a line about coming to the table as you are that says broken and bleeding is okay. Mm. So, yeah. Like yeah, we like that though. Mm. Yeah, I, I do mean, bleed. I just don't want to bathe in. Right. Exactly. Else's blood. Exactly. So. So it's kind of reclaiming that idea about the broken bread and the bleeding body of Christ and everything, but it's sort of reframing uh, that mm. whole story. You're going to make me sing broken body of Christ now. <laughs> yes, you could do that too. <laughs> it was it, it was a tie-in to what, what uh, Leslie was saying and, and what we've been talking about of these ways that, like I was listening to the story and, um, you know, there's also a conversation I've been having with somebody on Facebook where I didn't like right now we're in a time where people are very quickly responding to, um, to the, the reality of racism in the U S right. This breathless, we must declare that black lives matter. And as somebody who's been on the front lines for years, it's like, yes, we must also, <laughs> and also there's this thing that um happens where people are in a rush to do something and so they want to do something more than they and they're and they're afraid of getting it wrong and so that becomes the the driving factor to hurry up and do something and so if you have feedback or if you have pushback even for something that they did Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden they're attacked and it's like, but I was making a really good effort. And you're like, right. yeah, um, that's great. But also I'm still surviving the thing that you're trying to ally yourself with. <laughs> but the, the, the reason I bring that up is that I feel like um, what, what our album tries to address and, and what the 
much of the work that we're doing, especially in our families and with loved ones, is we're trying to address fear, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's the ways that our parents ask us about people's salvation because in the construct that they've been raised in or, or in the, 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 the framework that their theology is, is that you have to be afraid of God and what God would do to you. And you have to be afraid of the world and what the world will do to you. And so this, this, this framework of fear drives all the decisions. It drives the voting and it drives the, the anxiety about who's going to say and do what. And it, it just it shows up in so many places. Right. But we, we lose the way that, that love really is greater than fear. We lose the ways that, um, that God was like, yeah, I know it's a mess and I love you. And that's enough. And so um, just to, to bring it back to one of the things that I've, as a worship leader, have been doing is like, I don't want to sing communion songs that are about blood. Um, right. Yes, the blood is an important thing. I'm doing like a story within a story. This is a very inception at this point. Um, nice. Because when people would send me the videos of Black people being killed at the hands of police or being harassed, they were sending important videos. But I'm a black man and I can't watch those videos endlessly. All of them are traumatic for me. All of them are too much for me. And it's not because I just want to check out. It's like, no, I have to live with this after the video goes off. And so I've made it my position that I don't want to see any more videos and I won't watch any of them if I don't have to. Um, Here, here. Right. Which doesn't mean that the videos aren't important. It doesn't mean that the blood that's spilled isn't important. This is my tie back to communion. It's important what happened to Jesus as, as a brown man who was executed at the hands of the state. That's really, really critical. But the communion was a dinner party with his friends. Mm-hmm. And so even the friends who would betray him. And so for us to look at communion not as the violent, um, the violent act that happened, but instead to look at communion as this dinner party where we were all brought together. Um, And here's my worship leader thing. We can remember that we are loved just as we are. Um, And these are the words from the song that we sing, uh, that we are broken. We're the broken body of Christ. Um, that we're the ones who have all this stuff that makes us afraid and fragile and, and worrisome, but that God's love does remind us that we are loved just as we are, taste and see, loved as we are, beautifully different, loved as we are, just as we are. Like, just as we are, our mm-hmm. fearful, scary rule-making, litmus-testing, like hmm. God loves us so much that we can get over that hmm. because the litmus test won't keep us safe. It won't make us go to heaven. It won't make us skip hell. Right. It's love. It wasn't, hmm. it wasn't the blood per se. It was the love that was behind the spilling of the blood or that would endure the sp- spilling of the blood or that would redeemed the spilling of the blood, but it was not just the blood. It was the love. Right. It was the truth under the story. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. That is really wonderful. Hmm. Damn the many y'all came to preach to the heathens today. <laughs> All day. <laughs> We're here for it. We are 100% here. It, it is this, this uh, and I, I think that's, I, I know that we've already, we've already gone longer than we promised you we would, but well, welcome to heathen. So <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. anyone just make a loud sound. If like you have someone waiting for you for dinner, who's not going to be your friend anymore. Time is an oppressive uh, construct. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who decided there was time? Um, certainly not in quarantine. There's not time. Um, I think it's something that you touched on, uh, well, that everyone's sort of touched on off and on that I think is, is really, um, like we said before, a lot of, a lot of the people who come to this podcast come because they're, they're in the middle of either discovering the work, whatever, whatever the work is that they're coming to, whether it is deconstruction work, the anti-racism work, the, uh, being a, a good LGBTQ ally, whatever that, whatever the work is, um, that they're coming to, they're often in that moment of fear that exists when you first realize that there is this unknown place that you have to step into and that you have to step out of the community of belonging that you've, you've been in before and into a new community that isn't a monolith and that may or may not agree with every choice mm-hmm. that you make or with every way that you try to support or every action. And you might have that feedback of like, yeah. no, you left your thing that you were in before, but you don't belong here necessarily either yet this way that you're doing. And, and that messaging, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that is, it is our, our human desire to belong that births that fragility that lives there. And it's, it's a, a, th- a thing that I believe is a, a muscle <laughs> that must be exercised. So as you are doing this work, as you have been the many and, and moving through churches and doing this sort of prophetic uh, countercultural work and bringing that unapologetic energy into these spaces and this honest energy in these spaces, what are the places where that has solidified or transformed your spirituality? What are the places where you have found hope in that? What are, what are the places where um, you have, you have overcome some of that fear Mm. that you would, you would say to, to those of our listeners who are just in that fear for the first time? Mm. Mm, What a question. Thank you for asking. Yeah, of course. So my fear of not belonging was uh, deeply entangled with uh, people pleasing and mm. the promotion of my own invisibility. And mm. so as I've been eradicating the need and the compulsion to um, put other people's needs before mine and uh, not being afraid of displeasure or no, or even outright rejection has Mm -hmm. been um, fortifying um, healing experience. And it has directly affected my ability to engage artistically and have Mm -hmm. confidence Um, within myself and as a member of this band. Um, Because we, you know, in these bodies that we have, which is one of our songs, by the way, but that's a sidebar. Hmm. In these bodies that we have, when we as a band show up, there are things that happen. 
Um, and there are some beautiful experiences that we've had. And there are some not so pleasant experiences that I, as a female uh, that has melanin, has mm -hmm. uh, not uh, appreciated very much. And so what has healed for me is that I am learning that the um, ways in which folks may approach me and the words that they may lovingly share or may erroneously, ignorantly spew have nothing to do with me. Mm, amen. And my power belongs to me. And your actions, yes, I may address them if I'm in a safe environment and I have the wherewithal. But most importantly, it does not detract from who God made me to be. And so mm. as that stretching and that expansion has been happening, uh, it's been really opening up some really beautiful places within me for light to shine through. And it's uh, really helped me to really experience myself and others and my ideas of God have been really um, expanding and just um, taking me to just really beautiful places. Hmm. And so I think that that... You know, that's my dream for for everyone, right. for people to experience um, extravagant love, um, mm. for people to know that um, within who they are, where they're at, it's enough, and they're loved just as they are, like Darren was saying. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning, and this is, this is where I'll end it, the more that I love myself, and see myself as God loves me, the more powerful I am and more um, centered I am in being a healing agent and an encouragement to others. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm able to offer as a worship leader, as a member of this band, and just as Leslie. My yeah. healing is my gift to you. You're welcome. <laughs> healed people heal people that is the sermon that 2020 needs it is <laughs> every day please tell me you can just cut that bit out so that i can like yeah. begin my morning <laughs> one day more of quarantine let's do that's beautiful thank you i just uh if darren and leslie know it I get emotional. I get. I listen mm -hmm. and I start crying. It's like, oh, I love you guys. It's a holy thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a quality we really like. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, it's for me. I think um, this kind of feeling of I don't belong has. I've really had it all my life, and mm -hmm. um, as a as a woman, as growing up in a church that didn't like women, and as I mean, just for everything. I wasn't pretty enough. I was too fat. I was, you know, all these things, you know, you, sure. there were so many ways in which I wasn't enough and I didn't belong. And I was too big for my britches. I was too smart. I was too, whatever. I was too much. And I think that um, the interesting 
thing. I carried so much shame and I've carried so much shame about that for so much of my life. And I've kind of been in recovery from shame for a long time. I feel like Mm -hmm. shame is my addiction. And um, I think that one of the things that I've discovered is that when I begin to speak the truth about what I feel and who I am and what I believe or don't believe or question or whatever, and when I speak the truth about my shame even, that becomes so healing for me. It like loses the shame, loses its power, and um, or at least some of its power in the moment. Mm-hmm. And and when the other thing that has kind of been amazing and has happened is like I say these things out loud that I felt like I was never supposed to say out loud, mm-hmm. and some people actually hear it and say thank you. <laughs> you know, some right. people hear it and say oh, I feel that way too. I want to be close to you. And suddenly I have more belonging than I had before. You know, some people are just like, well, forget you. I don't care. But many people are like opening up to that in ways that, uh, and opening up to me because I've opened myself up, you know, Mm -hmm. and said the things I wasn't supposed to say. And we talk about that a lot, like with this song, Remember When, Um, which basically says, you know, there's all this shit going on in the world, and where were you, God? (laughs) You know? Like, why didn't you go fix this? Why is this so bad? And, Mm. you know, this is a song we sing in church. And and I think when we first, uh, when I first wrote the lyrics and Hannah started writing the tune for it, she looked at me and she said, can we actually say this at church? And mm-hmm. I was like, well, we're going to. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you can sing it, I'm, I'm with you, you know? And, uh, and I think that's powerful though. I think the silence keeps us in a place of not belonging because um, it, and it makes us more afraid and more ashamed. And um, so I think for me, I've really found belonging more, the more I could be, honest about who I am. Hmm. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. There's just so much that um, I just appreciate in how we, we share our stories. Um, the, the old evangelical and the old street preacher even in me is like, yes, they overcame by the, oh God, we're back to the blood. By the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and because they feared not their lives unto death. I am also have a background in King James, so sometimes it randomly comes out. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> but the the thing about our stories, the thing about us reclaiming and, and owning and, and loving and um, healing our stories is just so powerful to me. Um, like I'm in a fresh round of that. Uh, at at this very moment, like 2020, as much as a, a of a of a complete mess as it's been, it's also been one of the healthiest times in my life. Um, I'm looking back into all of these years of, like I said, muting myself and trying to like do the people pleasing thing. Yay twos! Um, <laughs> all of those years of that. And then now realizing that, one, being in a place to own that as a, 
as a two, as, as just how I'm wired, being helpful in the world is how I also feel safer in the world. Mm. Um, but that the beginning of this pandemic was, I can't go out and help anybody. Right. I can't go and do the way that I'm normally wired to do. Cause I even got, got sick right away um, back in March. And I don't know that it was necessarily um, COVID-19, but I had to stay in the house for 14 days and think about how do I be helpful when I'm like in bed it, mm-hmm. with a fever and, and body aches. Um, and that was like a really beautiful conversation where my, my past one, I, it's funny, my church is a foresight church and, and um, we have lots of pastors. So I very frequently say my pastor and could be talking about one of five people. <laughs> but I was saying to my pastor, Hannah, I was saying to her, like how I just felt like so much responsibility. Like, did I make anybody sick or, you know, have I caused harm to anyone? And then on the flip side of that, she was like, it's okay for you to take care of yourself and it's okay. Like you can't like control all the variables. Um, And it kind of was part of giving me permission to look at my whole life that way, not just Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Um, So one of the the big things for me this year has been um, just dealing with where I am, dealing with what I need to to, to do to be healthy, Um, seeing how, uh, the work that I've been doing over the past 20 years, I thought I was, I thought I was really affecting the people who are at the furthest end of the spectrum from me. And I realized that I was actually affecting the people who are somewhere close to that end, but they already have some questions. You know, I, I liked, uh, the part of your story, Matt, where you said, like, you thank God for being gay because it, it puts you outside of the accepted norm enough to question the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm finding. I'm finding when people have a loved one come out or when they um, encounter what it means to to be disabled or when they, um, because of their gender, are counted out by society or they're, you know, someone that they're close to experiences that, that's when a lot of people start questioning these bigger constructs that, that tell us that all the answers are easy and quick and so forth. And while I am trying to change the way people, you know, embrace some of those, those ideas that, for example, that, that whiteness is default and human and normal and that everything else is other, <laughs> or when I'm trying to, to challenge the ideas that, that gender is binary and, and that everyone else is just somehow sick or, or, or something, when I'm challenging those ideas, it's not from this perspective of I have the new right answers, but instead it's from this perspective of, you know, there's room for all of us and there's room for us to to help each other and, and, and encourage each other in ways that don't make us the new, the new source and the new answer. So it's been this thing of, wow, I've been affecting people and I didn't know what I was doing (laughs) this whole time. And that's okay because it wasn't a matter of me being the new right answer. It wasn't a matter of me like having the perfect theology. It was always about me like doing what I can to make the world better for everybody in it. And, you know, we're in such a world that has been so used to oppression and so used to harming each other and abusing each other that none of us really know what it looks like to live in a world that is free from all of that. Not yet, you know, but it's, it's one of the, again, one of those places where 
uh, if you're old school, you say through a glass darkly, or, you know, if you have newer mm-hmm. translation would be, we know in part and we prophesy in part or we see in part, mm-hmm. but in the end, the whole thing's revealed. And that's, that's like where I'm finding hope right now. It's just like, I did not see the civil, the, the Supreme court affirming that I, as a gay man should not be able to be fired simply for being gay. Didn't see it coming. No, absolutely not. <laughs> nope. Still. 2020, full of surprises. Right, you know? It's like, who put that on the bingo card? <laughs> Murder hornets? Don't know where those came from. <laughs> but, but, but still, it's a reminder that it's like, you know, there's so much that's possible. Even as, even as somebody who's like on the front lines and trying to make the world better, it's just like, the world can still surprise me. That is so great. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah, not it's all horrible. <laughs> Isn't that everything? Like, that's good news yeah. right there. That's some good news for what it's worth. Not that we have to end on the up note. No, <laughs> but it is. It's good news. I will also throw in murder hornets another time. Although, what happened to murder hornets? They were, like, going to be a big deal. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I haven't no, seen it's them. Been just crashed by. Yeah, no. it just... They just went away, which I guess yeah. that's great. I'm glad they weren't a bigger problem than we anticipated. Um, for what it's worth, Jaren, I will find myself in the most heathen-y of heathen conversations where I am, you know, being accused of apostasy on all fronts and uh, heresy on all sides. And I will, you know, why aren't you afraid of this? And aren't you worried about the people because of this? And don't you care about these things? And the thing I come down to every time is, for I am convinced mm-hmm. that neither death nor life nor, like, that's where I wind up. I oh, go yes. like, straight to, like... Mm-hmm throw in scripture in there. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not afraid. Well, because I believe, oh, this thing that you're using <laughs> against me. Right. Imagine <laughs> that. Isn't yeah. it funny how we both came back to this? Weird. Um, well, for what it's worth for, for all of you, I, um, I just want to say thank you for this work that you're doing uh, yes. as two people who frequently are trying to find uh, songs to sing at a mm-hmm. church that is full of humans who have endured spiritual trauma, who have been othered or kicked out. I I cannot tell you how grateful I am that people like you and bands like yours are in the world uh, creating these songs that have space in them uh, for people to be and to heal that is it is beautiful work and I know also can be exhausting and difficult and in walking, you're, you're walking a tightrope and I thank you for it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much, Leslie, Lenora, Darren, for hanging out with us. Before we let you go, uh, is there anything you want to just point people to? I've, I've heard you reference several times the new album. Yes, so the new album's here, right? Yeah. yeah. Love is Greater Than Fear, that's what it's called? Yes. Love Greater Than Fear, yeah. You can kind of find out everything at uh, themanyarehere.com. Excellent. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So folks, go to your show notes right now. It's in there. You can click it and, uh, and get to where you need to be. Yeah. Yeah, and be yeah. sure to follow us uh, by the same name on on uh, in, on Instagram. We we try to post pretty regularly about what we're doing and and the fun stuff that's happening with that. Um, I'm an Instagram snob, and I think your Instagram is beautiful. Oh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. You're showing up and you're doing the Instagram thing in a way that doesn't make my skin crawl. And I love oh. it. That's great. We all take turns. Yes, <laughs> that's perfect. We all. It feels human. I think it's hard to make it feel human, and yours feels. 
like there are real people behind it. And that's, oh, thank that's you a so much. Thing. That's such a great compliment. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, we have a Patreon too. I should probably mention oh. that. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. There, yeah. 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 So. Well, yeah. And we'll make sure we have all those links and things so that we can throw them in show notes and make sure that we get all of that out there. But y'all, this has been lovely yeah. and, um, and it's been really fun. Thanks so much yes, for inviting thank us. Thank you we so have. much. It's kind of cool really to great. spend some time talking about this stuff. That yeah. <laughs> And with each other that we don't, you know, always talk about this stuff with each other, but it's right. really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, Our yeah. back stories. <laughs> That's right. the, the part I love about, like, you know, getting to know someone in a live recording because it does, it just opens up uh, parts of the conversation you wouldn't normally typically have with folks. It's really yeah. nice. That's how Matthew and I became friends. I was on this yeah. podcast and that was the first, and now we could probably tell each other's stories. We've done this a, a few <laughs> yeah. times now, but, uh, but that's how we began. So yeah, thank you for being willing to go into that space with us. And it really, it really does just, I mean, none of us are alone in that experience and that's a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Take care, everyone. Blessings to all of the listeners. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, this is really wonderful. I can't see you, but when this posts, <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello, do y'all wanna, people. <laughs> do y'all want to take the outro and you, you can say bye, heathens? And we'll end oh, cool. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, we'll count you in. Ready? One, two, three. Bye, bye heathens. heathens. <laughs> Yay, beautifully done. <laughs> Love is greater than, greater than